Good morning. It is March 4th, 2022, the only day of the calendar that is a command also. Why do I know that? Because Estelle Cantor, my boss's my boss's mother, was born on this day many, many years ago. She was 90-something when she passed away. So it's a good birthday, I guess, because she had a nice long life. Anyway, um, today we're going to do something a little bit different as I'm trying to navigate Facebook and talk to you simultaneously. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about why Heart Month was so important and it remains important throughout the year, but why patient advocacy um, is critical to not only the patient experience, but to society as a whole, um, some of the regulatory, some of the access issues, some of the real stories that really have impacted our families over time. And I just wanted to take an opportunity to kind of a pause from the in-depth HCM education that we tend to provide here at Tales from the Heart and really talk about the, you know, why are we doing it the way we're doing it and why is it important? So, okay, I finally got my phone going um, and I see a couple of you have joined me. So welcome. Happy Friday. So uh, HCM, let's talk about it. Nobody ever wants to hear the words, you've been diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. They just don't want to hear it. And nobody wants to have to confront every day that they're living with a disease that is sometimes not difficult at all. And sometimes we don't think about it. And other times it is the all-consuming thought in our mind. And how do you live and find a balance with that? And how do you get the health care that you want, need, and deserve? So that's kind of what I wanted to talk a little bit about today. And I wanted to explain why we do things the way we do things sometimes. I'm a very flawed um, nonprofit founder. And most founders are pretty flawed because they have a big vision <laughs> and they want to achieve um, solving a problem. And when the problem you know is actually unsolvable by modern technology, that makes you start to think in steps. And how are you going to take the steps to solve the problem? And I guess you can use that as an analogy for lots of different problems in life and, and figuring out that first step and where you want to be. Um, and then you figure out how you're going to get there. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I would never eat an elephant. I love elephants. Um, so why were the stories that we shared last month so incredibly important? And I have a list in front of me, and I'm going to do some reading because my memory is good, but it's not that good. So we shared Nadia's story from New Mexico and how she thought she was clear of a diagnosis of HCM because a doctor told her once she'd been screened as a teenager and she was okay, only to find out that she has HCM later. Many other people have been told through their life, oh, you were screened, you're clear, you don't need to go back and get screened for HCM. Nadia is an important story, but her story is not hers alone. Others share it. And by sharing her story, she wakes people up to maybe misinformation that they had been given in their life. We share Derek's story. Derek survived a cardiac arrest while working as a police officer. 
and nobody knew he had a heart problem. And he was a seemingly fit, healthy man, and then he was in intensive care fighting for his life. Misdiagnosis is difficult. You go through physicals for jobs, you get evaluated, but they don't find your HCM until cardiac arrest occurs. We need to do better. Derek can teach us some lessons as well. Who do we have next? Mike Papali, who was here with me on a previous podcast um, and has taken his event of cardiac arrest and turned it into advocacy himself and tries to help others with his lives. Well, that's just downright inspiring. And, you know, this... He had to make me feel old because I remember when he was a teenager and it happened <laughs> and his mom called us. But he's a story of survival and he's also a story of near tragedy. And that's a wake-up moment for us. I shared my story on my heart anniversary, and y'all know mine. I'm not going to waste time talking about that. And Linda shared her story originally at our PFDD back in 2020, but oh, how her story changed over a two-year period and by the time HCM Awareness Day was here, she had had a heart transplant and is recovering. So you think HCM is taking you in one direction and it could shift you off into another. And it's important to stay vigilant with your care. So let's just pause after those couple of stories we just talked about and highlighted. Why telling these stories matters so much is as much about what we can do to change the future as what these individuals have experienced in their past and wanting to make a better future for ourselves, for our families, for our children, and for the next generation. So there's stories. Stories is a bad word for it, okay? Stories implies something possibly fictitious or made up. These are people's life stories. And that's something a little bit different than just telling a story. This is what somebody feels, thinks, wants, fears every day of their life. And oh, to the non-HCM community and to the well community. There are things about our world that are a little difficult to understand. And other diseases have their uniquenesses, things that m people must contend with to live a normal life, whether they be memory issues or mobility issues or cardiac issues. There are a lot of chronic illnesses. I don't wish for anybody to think that we're worse than some other things or better than some other things, but we do have our very unique features. We generally look okay. Please go look at the faces page. These are not people who you would necessarily assume are ill, unwell, unfit. They're just people. They're your neighbors. They're your coworkers. They're the lady at the bank. They're, it's the kid who gave you coffee as a barista this morning. We're everywhere. We're literally everywhere. Uh, members of our tribe have run CNN, <laughs> and others have been working for um, amazing high levels in, in the U.S. government. Um, God, what was his name? Aspen. Um, he had um, Les Aspen. There you go. 
found a name. Um, other people diagnosed. There are actors, actresses, athletes. We're everywhere. But we don't look like there's anything really wrong. But it's our hearts, people. It's the thing that keeps you alive. <laughs> and when it malfunctions, it's frightening. And our hearts can malfunction in a number of different ways. And many of which are not visible. And this is a problem. And it's a blessing. We can hide things. But it's not always good to hide things. you got to let somebody know what's really going on inside. And the arrhythmias are a problem for some. And obstruction is a problem for others. Heart failure, diastolic heart failure. You can't breathe. You can't stay awake. You have symptoms. Your heart's racing in a meeting, and you're trying to focus on the meeting, but your heart is way out of control, and you're having PVCs, and you're nervous that it's going to be something worse. That's our life, and that's a big challenge. On top of everything else going on in the world, we live with this extra level. So take take home, take work, take your kids, take the neighbors, take community events, take all the things you do in your normal day and how hard you have to work to get everything done and pay the bills and put dinner on the table and get appropriate rest. And then on top of that, the risk that your heart could malfunction at any time because you have an underlying condition that sometimes rears its ugly head and really messes up your day or week or month or year or lands you in a hospital. So... Telling the stories, like Bills. Bills is one of resilience. He's doing a great job in his in his professional life. Um, lives with a device, or Deborah, who is managing the questions of SICD versus ICD at some points in her life, and Lakeisha, who lost her brother. We have so many amazing stories, and each one you can learn something from. Now. We know the battle. We know how hard it is to live with HCM sometimes. We know, much like Lakeisha, we lose people. The next one on my list is Caleb LeBlanc, young man with all the promise in the world ahead of him, uh, you know, a TV career in the making. And he dies at 13. And Lakeisha lost her brother at age 33. And Ramon was lost at 44. My sister was lost at 36. Uncle 47. Grandfather 43. These are young people with lives in front of them. And we want to make sure that by telling stories, we limit death and suffering. We aid people in getting to the care that they need, like Center of Excellence programs. This morning on my personal Facebook page, I saw that somebody had said, I passed out three times this week. I'm like, who is this person and why are they on my Facebook group? I I like my personal page. And I sent him a private message. Do you have HCM? And it was like, well, yeah, but I had a myectomy and it's done now. Like, oh, honey, please get to a center. If you've passed out three times in a week, this is something that needs medical attention. Please go get it. So we want to make sure people know when to act. And when to take the actions that they need for the health that they want. Um, We don't always get what we want in the world, but we can fight our best to have a good quality of life with HCM. And HCMA is here to help that happen and make sure that there are centers of excellence available and that there are knowledgeable 
practitioners that are waiting for your calls so that they can help you. And that's kind of, you know, a special kind of magic right there um, that we're able to start getting that done. And, you know, we have 43 programs now and we have a whole bunch of others getting reviewed this year. And it's amazing that where we're going and that hopefully people will have a center closer to their home so it's not so inconvenient or in their healthcare network. But there are so many obstacles. There is multiple healthcare systems within a city. There are multiple hospitals within a city. There are some that don't have any interest in HCM and others that do. How do you find them? So we are working to identify those practitioners for you so that we can have better outcomes for families in the future. So that's our Center of Excellence program and why stories are important to tell and life stories are important to tell is because many of these people are only doing well because of a center. And some of these people who have not done well are maybe not here anymore because they lacked competent health care for their particular disease, which is where HCM Academy comes in. So we're trying to get out there with education to the community, and we're going to need everybody's help on this. So if you're listening, go to the hcmacademy.com or to 4hcm.org, and we can guide you to medical education. You know, I look at the next two people on my list. Anna, who was diagnosed at birth, had a father with HCM, and is, you know, living her life wonderfully now at 24 um, after some surgeries and devices, et cetera. But the next gentleman on the list is Derek. And there are a few cases in the 26 years of the HCMA that really really, really break my heart in, in different ways. Derek is an African-American male, 28, 29 years old, who never really knew his mom because his mom died young. And it turns out his mom died of a cardiac condition before she was 30. But nobody really looked at Derek like anything was seriously wrong when he had a syncopal episode and went to the emergency room. So syncope, fancy word for passing out. So he passed out at home. They got him to the emergency room. He woke up on his own, and they sent him home without any cardiac tests. Told him to go to a neurologist. He went to the neurologist a couple of days, which is amazing that they got an appointment that fast. And the neurologist said, this wasn't neuro. If you have another seizure, come back. Derek didn't make it to the end of that week. He had another event and this was a fatal cardiac arrest shortly after carrying his child in a car seat up the stairs. And he dies. Why weren't tests done? We need better education. We had an interaction at, at a medical center, and a good one. And they looked at a seemingly healthy person. He was a, a beautiful guy. And if you looked at his pictures, you would assume he's the picture of health. But HCM is not visible. And I wish they would have done some cardiac testing on him. But nobody put the pieces together. What do you mean your mother died before the age of 30 of heart disease and here you are in a syncopal event? Why wasn't this a trigger to at least do some baseline testing? He didn't make it a week after that encounter. Had he been in the hospital? Had he had the opportunity to get evaluated? Had he had an opportunity to learn about ICD therapy? We may be telling a different story about Derek today. And then there's Kelly. 
my optimistic Alaska resident who is on a clinical trial medication that is really improving her quality of life. And she is inspiration, huge inspiration. And then there's my Jersey boy, Joe, who was misdiagnosed, mismanaged for many, many years until I happened to meet him someplace and said, hey, I think I know how to help you. And plugged him into the network that I've taken 26 years to build through the HCMA and through all of our partners, our volunteers, our staff. And ta-da, Joseph got to go to his daughter's wedding and he's feeling much better today. Cole, who as a teenager didn't want to get an implantable defibrillator. He really didn't. We worked with him and his mom to help him understand ICD therapy a little bit better. And he went ahead and he got his device. And a couple of months later, had a cardiac arrest and didn't even know it. Happened in his sleep. We would have lost Cole that day if not for advocacy. Karen, who comes from a long family of HCM, who I even knew her dad back in the day, really does become a big family, you know. And she is dealing with ICD shocks quite frequently, but is also a committed discussion group leader and committing her time to helping her fellow big-hearted get through the process. And Marcia, our beautiful senior model, who had two alcohol ablations when it was never appropriate and then needed open heart to repair the valve more than anything else. Learning her story teaches you why a center matters for evaluation. And she's doing wonderfully today. V, who was diagnosed in Vietnam many years ago, well, not many years ago, he's a young man, but went from murmur to diagnosis in like 48 hours because they knew what to look for and they did the right tests. And now he's here working in medical research, and hopefully he will be the future of healthcare for HCM, not just an HCM patient. That's inspiring as all get out. And Mike and Priscilla and Sam and Kent and Willie's story is just extraordinary. Congratulations to his daughter who won a gold medal last summer in the Olympics. Um, and Tracy and Ashley, both of which participated in our PFDD and some, you know, Tracy's still kind of plugging along with her same story from two years ago, and Ashley's on the transplant list now. And you wouldn't have expected that, but HCM does unexpected things. So what else can we do? We've built centers. We're educating doctors. Now it's time to change a couple of laws. We can do it. We're smart. We're committed. And we know we can do good things. What do we want to do? It's really kind of simple. Believe it or not, New Jersey is the only state that asks parents in a well-child examination about cardiovascular health. We're it, guys. One state, Jersey. You can steal our, our law. We want you to have it. In fact, we want you to have a better version of it because the first one's always the rough one, and then you get better after that. So we have created the Healthy Cardiac Monitoring Act. Yes, the acronym spells HCMA, but it's not just about HCM. It's about all cardiovascular diseases in the young, genetic, acquired, congenital. We want families to be able to know when they should be screened, have a conversation with their healthcare provider, get the proper tests that they need, an EKG, an echocardiogram, a CT, an MRI, Different diseases have different testing. 
So if you say, oh, let's do all do one task, you may miss other diseases. We want physicians to be educated. So as part of the HCM Act, we require a training module to be completed. Simple. Give the physicians the tools that they need to be able to identify things that they weren't seeing before. One in 200 to one in 500 people have HCM alone. Right there, you know that there's physicians who have practices of two and 3,000 patients. You know there's a bunch of HCM families in those families. You know that there's long QT and Brugada syndrome and ARVC and dilated cardiomyopathies and structural defects. There's lots of other things that we can find if we just stop for a moment and ask. And we ask family heart health history. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, cousins, anybody have any cardiac issues? What age did they come on? What are they treated with? Do they have implantable defibrillators? Have they transplanted? Simple questions asked in the confines of a doctor's office and held in your private medical records. That's what we're looking for. So if you want to get involved in the HCM Act, there is a link on our website. I'm sure somebody will drop it into the chat here. And you can go ahead and you can write a letter to your state legislators and ask them to get involved. You can join us on March 22nd, 2022, where we will be having an advocacy training session. This is a really important project for us. If we can change the law and make sure that families are having an opportunity to talk about their family heart health history with their chosen healthcare provider, we can really start to move the needle on identification of those with HCM and other disorders. So I'm not a lobbyist. I'm a patient. I'm a patient advocate. And I am a founder and CEO of an organization that represents people who have not had a proper voice for a long time. And thankfully, because we're coming together as a community, this is changing. And I'm really proud of all of you in this community who have taken the time to say, you know, I'm not only a patient or a victim of HCM, I can be part of a solution too, by participating in clinical trials, by joining a discussion group and realizing you're not alone and others aren't either, and together you can help each other through the process. My staff, who does an amazing job, we do our, you know, we have intakes, we have volunteer coordinators, we have people helping develop programs and education and we are here to, to answer the phone when you call. And sometimes the calls are rough, and we don't always have every answer you need, but we have directions, and we can help you align with the people who can help you most. So that's what we do. That's who we are. Um, and I can't thank enough all of the individuals who participated in Heart Month, not only the individuals who are on our current Faces of HCM page, um, and the individual stories that we shared each day. We had our warriors of the day. But on actual HCM day, we added a component at the last minute. And so many of you put the frames on your pictures and shared your own personal story on your personal Facebook page and also allowed us to share it on the HCMA page. So thank you very much. We'll be reaching out to each of you to see if you want to become part of the testimonial page and join the faces on the website. So if you were one of the shared stories, just write on into us and say, yeah, I want to learn more about that. And we'll get you more engaged in that programming. But we have to keep telling stories every month. 
And it's not just heart month. Every month is heart month to us. So I really encourage you to continue to stay involved with the community. There are some amazing things happening. And here is my shout out, Ross, get ready to drop the ACC link. Um, For those of you who are listening now or listen before the 10th of March, um, we are conducting a survey in partnership with the American College of Cardiology to help understand the HCM patient experience for the specific reasons that we would like to set up better educational systems for both healthcare providers and patients. So these would be collaborative projects between HCMA and ACC, which we're super, super excited about. And you can help us form what we need to create for the future by taking part in the survey. I have a personal goal. Please, oh, please. Um, I want to get 1,000 in two weeks. So I'm going to give you actually a little bit more than two weeks. So we launched it on HCM Day. We were going to keep it open for two weeks. But I've decided to wait until the... um, the evening of the 11th or the morning, or I'm sorry, the 10th or the 11th, because we have a big hearted warrior tour coming up with our friends at Ascension Health in Nashville uh, on March 10th. So we'll be talking about this again in that session. Um, And then we'll close that survey and we will analyze it and you will start to see reports come out and you will start to hear some ideas of what we're going to be building out for the future. And we want input. We want to know what you want and what you don't need, or what you think you don't need, or what you think you might want, and you're not sure yet. Just share your thoughts, okay? Just take the survey, give us your experience. There's a couple of questions that I, you know, I think we really need answers to, and I think will ultimately help improve everybody's quality of life by making sure our research partners are focusing their efforts to areas that are meaningful for us, the patient community. I'm going to sidebar here a little bit with myself. So when researchers are looking at a problem, sometimes the things that they want to solve are very interesting and they're important, but they're not necessarily going to impact our individual quality of life to any magnitude. Um, understanding a biomarker better. Yes, it's important, no question. But if that biomarker really isn't an indicator of our good days or our bad days or disease progression or stability, then the biomarker is just a factoid on a piece of paper. Um, So we want to make sure that researchers know what's important to us so that we can help guide therapies in the direction that is most beneficial to the majority of people with HCM. So that's kind of what I'm working on there. Uh, So I need you to help on that. And I do encourage you all to participate in next week's um, Big Hearted Warrior Tour. We have a psychiatrist joining us for the first time, and we're going to try to include more mental health features uh, going forward on Big Hearted. So you can learn about Big Hearted Warrior um, on the website. But uh, we had our practice session last night, and I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Uh, So I encourage you all to join us for that. Um, There you go. Um, So thank you, Ross. Just saw that that got posted. There's got a little crowd here today, so if there's any questions, I'll be happy to take them, and then I will call this to conclusion in a few minutes. But um, 
you know, I, I will kind of, I'm going to kind of leave this on a personal note today. Um, and I'm not really ready to, to go into a great amount of detail on this. It's probably going to um, be part of one of my upcoming books. We've got a couple in the works now. Um, but I want to talk to you about the power of understanding your journey and maybe taking a pause to reflect back on what may may be guiding some of your thoughts about your, your disease process or the things that HCM has taken and maybe even given to you. Um, I had to confront something that happened to me as a child that had a huge impact on how I managed my HCM over my life. And honestly, I had not given it the appropriate um, place in, in my understanding of self. I, I know that sounds a little, little deep, but it was, it was something that was done. It was something that was handled poorly by the adults around me at the time. And it left scars. And it left a feeling of a vulnerability that was very unsettling for a very long period of time. And once I realized that that was at the core of some of some of the baggage that I carried through my HCM and still today with transplant, I realized I had to just kind of get rid of it. I had to say it out loud to people who could do something about it and make sure it never happened to anybody else. And um, I did that this week. It was nearly 40 years delayed, but I said my piece, and I got rid of it. And I have a better understanding now of why I'm such a freaking pit bull <laughs> and why I stand up for those who don't have much of a voice and why I really don't like bullies. <laughs> and as a child, there's not a lot you can do about that. As an adult, you learn the pathways and you say, where can I make constructive change? Why are we doing the HCMA Act? Because we can make change. Why did we build centers of excellence? Because we can make change. Why did we build HCM Academy? Because we can facilitate change. Everything is to change the future for the better. But it is, without a doubt, based from a place where there was no power in terms of what you could do for yourself. When I was a kid diagnosed, there was no therapies for HCM that were going to save my life. Maybe make me feel a little bit better, but there was no ICD. Sudden death was a real possibility. And I knew it at the age of 12 with literally no safety net. Um, and how adults interacted with me at that point was really um, important. And when adults fail and they do the opposite of what is good for a child and make them feel less safe, they're... She's still in here, that kid's still in here, and she's not going to let that happen to another kid or another person. And that's why Lisa's like she is, because 
HCM is a big bully. People can be bullies. But we can take control and we can choose to have a positive attitude about what we can control and accept the things that we can't. So there is my, my Zen moment with you and my reflection moment. And I hope it meant something to somebody. And I hope you understand what I'm talking about. And if you don't, you can certainly like drop me a line and ask me. But um, you have the power to change your future. And you have the power to accept your past and move forward. Let it define you for the good, but not for the bad. And on that note, I thank everybody who participated in HCM Awareness Day in Heart Month to the amazing warriors who shared their stories and helped teach through them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To the amazing staff of the HCMA who wrote the stories, vetted the stories, collected the pictures, edited the videos, posted them up online, kept the phones ringing all day while we were doing the live event and the, the, the staff ready to get the next caller on and push them into the Zoom room and the editing thereafter. Um, thank you all. So Sabrina, Amy, Julie, Elena, Stacy, Sean, Carolyn, Julio, um, thank you all for what you did. Um, Kareen, CRK Advertising, bravo, well done. Um, Gwen, uh, you weren't really big on this project, but you gave us the infrastructure to know how to do it from PFTD days. Um, and all of the wonderful warriors who shared their stories. And then the companies, Celtrion and Imbria and Cytokinetics and Bristol-Myers Squibb for sponsoring the event. Um, Everybody was great, and our partnership with ACC and AHA and Women Heart, and we did a lot, and we have so many wonderful partners, and there's a lot of great stuff coming. So thank you, everybody. And that ends this episode of Tales from the Heart. Take care. See you next week. Have you enjoyed this episode of Tales from the Heart? We hope so. Please visit us at 4hcm.org. Become a member. Become a donor. Become a volunteer. Great news, everybody. HCM Academy is now available online. What is it? It includes online sessions, learning about hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, patient stories about HCM and their management, and an opportunity to join online live with an HCM specialist to go over the slides, ask questions, and dig deeper into your understanding and knowledge of HCM. All CME courses are free, and you can find them at 4hcm.org or at the HCM Academy. The Big Hearted Warrior Tour continues. For the latest dates, please check 4hcm.org. And thanks to our sponsors, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Cytokinetics, Invitae, and Boston Scientific. Did you know discussion groups are available at 4hcm.org? Monday through Friday, almost every day you can find a discussion group. Whether you're interested in learning more about ICDs, premyectomy, screening your family, there's a discussion group for you. Even if you just want to learn how to balance your mental health, we have that too. So please join us for one of our live discussion groups moderated by a peer volunteer and you can sign up in advance at 4hcm.org. Just check the calendar for events. Please contact the Hypertrophic Cardiomyopathy Association at 4hcm.org or by calling our office at 973-983-7429. You can contact the HCMA by email at support at 4hcm.org. 
Tales from the Heart, a podcast from the HCMA, is made possible through sponsorship from Boston Scientific, Cytokinetics, Tanaya, Invitae, and Boston Scientific. <laughs>